our lesson for this evening's service is taken from Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin pledged to be married to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But she was greatly troubled by the statement and was wondering what kind of greeting this could be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, because you have found favor with God. Listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Listen, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, even though she was called barren, and this is her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible for God. Then Mary said, See, I am the Lord's servant. May it, be, may it happen to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. This is the word of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for consideration is found recorded in King David's Psalm 110, and we read verse 4. This psalm is a messianic psalm that proclaims who the Savior will be. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the manner of Melchizedek. This is the word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I say to you, Merry Christmas. And have you begun your preparations? I know we have our Christmas tree up, and the kids also put the lights on our fence and also a little bit in front of the parsonage. And I know my daughter has been busy baking muffins, and I assume we're eating those for Christmas. But what about you? What about all the preparations? Have you started? I know I've been busy starting to buy Christmas presents, trying to think ahead, uh, especially um, it looks like we're going to probably have to order more of our presents th this year and have them delivered than ever before. But you know what is more important than our preparation is what about God's preparation? How did God prepare the Old Testament believers for Christmas and for the birth of the Savior? He did it by telling people who the Savior is and, 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 and what the Savior would be doing. And therefore, to understand that, keep in mind one very important word that really describes well who Jesus is. It's the word Christ, the one title that was used with Jesus probably more than any other. I know the disciples would call him that, 
The Old Testament word for Christ, by the way, Christ is the Greek word, but the Old Testament word was Messiah. And both words literally mean the anointed one. There were actually three Old Testament offices that required anointing by oil in order for that office to be fulfilled. And that was prophet, priest, and king. When a person was anointed, it meant two things. It meant that God chose that person himself. And second of all, the Holy Spirit would be sent to give that person the gifts necessary to carry out his work as either prophet, priest, or king. When we look at the Messiah, when we look at the Savior himself, the Anointed One, we see that in order to be our Savior, he had to fulfill the work of prophet, priest, and king. So for these midweek services, and there are three of them, we're going to consider prophet, priest, and king. Tonight, the office of priest. And when it comes to the priest, I draw your attention back to Psalm 110. King David would write the very words of the Lord all good the Lord God Almighty, that he has sworn and he will not change his mind. In other words, God would make an oath and a promise to us, and because he is a holy God, this is a promise he will not break. He can't. And the promise is, your Savior is a priest. But how can he be? See, there's a problem, or maybe not. But it would seem like there's a problem. Because in the Old Testament, you had a priest and you had the king, and the two couldn't be that at the same time. No king could become a priest and no priest could become a king because they came from two different lines. The line of the king came through the line of Judah and, and had to be a descendant of King David. The line of the priest would be through the line of Levi, and that came through the brother of Aaron. And we know Jesus, especially because of Joseph, came from the line of the king. He came from David's line. So that we understand, that we can see, but he didn't come from the line of Aaron. And Levi. So how could he be a priest? Well, our text tells us that he's a priest in the manner or in the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek, his very name means king of righteousness. And he's only mentioned one once, and that is in the book of Genesis, and only in a couple verses. It's like he comes out of nowhere, and then all of a sudden, he's gone from the pages of Scripture. But he holds a very important position because of the way the father of all believers, Abraham, treated him. Abraham had just gone after four invading kings who had taken his nephew Lot into captivity. He went with his army he had of servants, 380 of them, and went and conquered those four kings. And what he did was he freed Lot, but he also captured all the plunder and, and all the other people that were taken into captivity by those kings 
and we're going to bring them all back home. And on his way home, he stops at Salem. Later, Jerusalem. And here comes Melchizedek, king of Salem, also called a priest. He's both king and priest, all in one person. Abraham eats with him and actually gives him a tenth of his entire plunder. And then he's gone from Scripture. So even though Jesus came from the line of David, but didn't come from the line of, of Levi and Aaron, just as Melchizedek was chosen to be both a king and a priest by God Almighty, so in that same manner, Jesus can be both king and priest. There's no problem. In fact, you've got to keep in mind this all happened under Abraham, who is the father of the chosen nation. This was long before there would be a Levi and a Judah. And yet, we already hear of kings and already priests. So in the manner of Melchizedek, Jesus can be said he is a priest. And therefore, that means he is the chosen one. So when it comes to Christmas time, we celebrate the Jesus of the Holy Scriptures and it's the right one. We're not looking for another Savior. And we're certainly not looking for another one to come. We already have the right Savior. Because he is the anointed one. Chosen by God himself. In the manner of Melchizedek. Along with that, keep in mind that he will also be a very unique priest. Unlike any other priest. Because King David makes it clear that he is a priest forever. Priests came and gone. Priests lived and died. Priests would have to offer sacrifices for their sins. And then they would offer sacrifices for the sins of the people. They would end that animal's life who would become a substitute for all those people who were coming to confess their sins. God required that the shedding of blood has to happen in order to have the forgiveness of sins. But all those sacrifices in and of themselves didn't forgive sins, but it's what they pointed to. See, they pointed to the ultimate sacrifice that would be made for the sins of the world by the Savior himself. And this is what makes Jesus so unique. Because he's a priest forever, which means he's a priest that has conquered death. And if he's a priest that conquers death, then he's the only priest that can actually offer and give eternal life. He is a priest that does not end. And if he's a priest that has conquered death, he has died. So he is the priest who's made the ultimate sacrifice for sins once and for all. And here at the cross was that sacrifice. Paying for our sins. Paying the punishment that we deserve for sin. So that we would have life. And have life eternal. This is Jesus, the high priest. 
And in order to save us, he had to make that sacrifice. If he did not, you and I would still be in our sins. We would still be in hopelessness. We would still be living even under the fear of death itself and hell. But no more. Because Jesus is the priest forever in the manner of Melchizedek. So when we celebrate Christmas, we're not simply looking at a cute little baby. And if you're one who believes that all babies are cute, then we all assume that Jesus must have been a cutie too. But that's not what we're celebrating. We're celebrating God keeping his promise, which he swore to, and sending us the Savior we desperately need, the great high priest, who made the ultimate sacrifice for our sins, and like all other priests, also intercedes for us. He's more than just a mediator. He hears our prayers. He answers our prayers. And he's praying for us. And for that, we cannot thank him enough. This is the Savior we celebrate. And this is why, during this midweek Advent season, you will hear my words continually say, Merry Christmas. Because of Jesus, Merry Christmas. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.